Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 148 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and let's get right to it. Today's guest is Peter Asprey from Asprey Creative in Melbourne, Australia. He's the owner and creative director and has been in the design game for over 30 years. Oh yeah, plenty of experience there. During this episode, Peter tells us about how his mom was always very creative, but when she was younger, it was a completely different time, and she was not allowed to pursue her creativity. So she always encouraged Peter to go and pursue that route and to follow what he wanted to do. Peter also tells us about the school project where he got 15 out of 10 and why that matters to this story. We also talk about some influential designers to him. He also dives into some challenges and lessons he's learned running his studio. We talk about the critical non-creative skill about communicating with clients and why that's so important. He also tells us a wild story about a food packaging project they were a part of that kicked off and went amazing. It went so, so good. Fast forward six years All of a sudden, it rewinds, gets back on his plate, and ends in a really, really strange way. It's bizarre. Right in the end there, Peter also tells us about the ice cream project that he's proud to have been a part of, and how it expanded from just an opportunity to redesign packaging to more and more. Ladies and gentlemen, let's dive into this one. Peter is so open and sharing of his experience in the game, so let's get to it. My guest, Peter Asprey. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Peter. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Thrilled to be here. Perfect. Well, first I have to ask you, are you ready for a quickie? Yeah, very much so. Definitely. (laughs) That's great to hear. Um, So I always like to start with the really tough stuff. And um, so the hardest question first, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, Well, my name's Peter Asprey. Um, I have a studio called Asprey Creative. been doing it for over 30 years now. Oh, that's all, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I specialize, we specialize these days in uh, FMCG, food packaging primarily. Um, <clears throat> something we sort of fell into, I guess, over the last decade. Before that, um, it's quite a, quite a versatile studio. Um, we did branding across a whole range of different um, fields, government, um, corporate, did a bit of signage, um, uh, pack form work, all sorts of stuff. So I've had a quite a diverse background, but kind of fell into um, FMCG um, just because I love it, really. Oh, that's good. You got to do that. Yeah, yeah. So has Asprey Creative been going for 30 years or you've just been in design for 30 years? Uh, well, yeah. <clears throat> um, Asprey Creative has had um, um, 
two two geysers, I guess. I was uh, Asprey Di Donato uh, for th- the first 13 years of that 30. Um, as you could probably guess, there was a Di Donato partner. Uh, <laughs> who we went our separate ways um, a long time ago. I can't even work out what year that was. <laughs> Early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, since then I've been I've been running the show, and uh, yeah, it's been really good. Perfect. So you've been so you, the full thirty years has been in some way or another a, a partnership studio that you're a partner in, or yeah. your own studio. That's right. Right on. So right right out of school, jumped into that, or was did you hit uh, the ground running elsewhere first? Uh, yeah, no, good point. I didn't go back far enough, did I? No, I I did. Um, I did the graphic design course at um, a place called Swinburne University here in Melbourne mm-hmm. um, and then spent three years um, at a place called AAV in South Melbourne doing a job that was kind of a graphic design job but really was just an excuse for me to chase girls for three years in <laughs> uh, a large organisation. So I really didn't, I didn't advance my career, shall we say, <laughs> my reputation. Um, so yeah, that was kind of fun straight out of school that, um, you know, got a lot out of my system and, uh, then, uh, Tony DiDonato, who was already in the industry, asked me if I'd like to start a partnership with him, which we did and spent the next 13 years, um, doing all sorts of things together. Okay. So I'm going to, I want to pick apart that just a little bit more, but before I do that, I want to dive back even further a little bit and hear a bit more about your childhood. I want to know what that was like, Peter. I want to know if you had a creative childhood that sort of pointed you in this career path. Uh, yeah, well, it's interesting that um, I guess it's a, it's a sign of the times that my mother, uh, when I was growing up, was was always quite creative. Um, she was a really good illustrator, um, but as I say, as a sign of the time, she was never allowed to pursue that by her parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nothing ever came of it. And she, her whole life essentially was frustrated that um, she could never actually do anything with that. Um, and, you know, we got to, growing up, we got to hear all about that. So uh, <laughs> it, may, yeah. it, you know, it may have subliminally been a, a bit of a driving force for me to, um, to try and do something. So I had a grandfather who was a technical drawer. He was quite brilliant. Um, my mother was a good illustrator. Um, <clears throat> and those things kind of um, were perhaps motivation for me. But, um, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a scientist and all sorts of other things, <laughs> ambulance driver. Um, and, uh, you know, never quite made the cut for those things. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I, it's kind of been a, a slow evolutionary process almost even my childhood into getting into something creative. Mm-hmm. I was always very as a kid. So creativity was always sort of pulling at you and was always in the gut, um, you know, even though yeah. you, you sort of mentally were thinking about pursuing other ventures, you know, yeah. they just didn't work out in life and you ended up doing what you felt, <clears throat> you know, in the end you were called to do. Yeah, and here's here's a perfect anecdote for you. I I um and in yeah in high school it was in high school um, in the first or second year of high school we had a project where we had to bring to life a story in any form we thought was relevant. I did it as a cartoon, and um, the teachers gave me fifteen out of ten. Wow. They were so blown away. 
<laughs> and, you know, I was a very um, middling grade kind of kid back then. Um, but, yeah, I got 15 out of 10 and my parents were quite shocked. They thought it was a mistake. <laughs> this must be a typo. Take it back, take it back and say, you sure? Are you sure that's not a five? Because Peter's very much a five kind of student. <laughs> Peter's very much a five kind of student. Yeah, just, mid, you know, middle of the road, just average marks, average achiever. <laughs> I love that. Love mum and dad mm. coming come uh, with the dose of reality. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Peter, so in that journey, I want to ask you now, what stands out as maybe the most influential design of your life so far? Something that you saw and just has stuck with you? Oh, my God. Um. That is a good one. I'm almost too old to be able to pinpoint one thing. <laughs> <laughs> the best piece of design, I'm trying to think of something that would have... Uh, I remember when I was younger, um, that uh, Joe Duffy guy. Do you remember him? No. In the US, oh, there's a guy called Joe Duffy who um, sort of started using old American um, advertising illustrations in his work, and it really impressed me at the time. It was quite a long time ago now. Um, but my, in my early career, I, st I tried to copy that sort of technique of using those old um, cutesy Americana illustrations, mm -hmm. which in Australia doesn't resonate much, but <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> um, that was quite an important point for me. Yeah, that's a um, great one. No, I'm not familiar with that stuff, but I'm definitely wanting to look it up now. Yeah, Joe Duffy, his name was. Um, and there was uh, Charles Anderson as well, similar sort of thing. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah, so that? Those, yeah, those are a couple from earlier in your career, right? Yeah, yeah, really, really early. So I um, think that's a really good segue sort of to the next question here, which is, you know, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to now or closely follow now? And what is it about them that you like? The UK is full of really good designers, I must admit. Um, so JKR in the UK, uh, I really look up to. Mm -hmm. That's Jones Knowles Ritchie. Um, I know one or two of the guys there, and I think they've got a really, really impressive attitude to the creative, mm -hmm. um, how they bring things to life. And, you know, I'm, I guess on top of that, I'm also really jealous of the way they're able to convince clients to do things that are quite, you know, out there. Mm -hmm. um, that classic example of theirs that's gone all around the world a few times, the, the pizza box, Domino's pizza box, um, it's just brilliant, brilliant in so many ways, brilliant in its simplicity, um, but also just a, a clever idea and a really engaging one with, with consumers. So, um, yeah, they're probably the best example at the moment. I, I really admire what they do. Yeah, that's a nice one. I follow them on Instagram and I see a lot of great work. Yeah, yeah. And ha having known one or two of them personally, it's, it's, um, it's a philosophy that they, you know, really stick to. And it's... Um, not overcomplicating things, um, just, you know, simple, dynamic, graphic approach. Mm -hmm. It's really impressive. Definitely. But on a very big scale. Yeah, scale. That That's definitely, you know, the key asset to it all. Um, yeah. Peter, the next question I want to ask you is about print and print design. 
Um, mm. I want to hear how you have utilized print and print design in your career so far and any stories around printer packaging um, that, you know, really stuck out to you. Um, printing as in sort of bringing things to life and, yeah, yeah, what, ink what on paper, packaging, yeah. Every aspect. Well, um, we've had varying degrees of uh, success with sort of being able to push the printed side of what we do, um, depending on who's working for me at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, quite recently had someone uh, quite brilliant working for me um, who came from the print industry cool. and eventually back to the print industry because he missed it so much. Um, but, you know, that that was quite a fantastic way of um, really promoting that side of things with people, clients. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite difficult sometimes. I find in FMCG, to be honest, um, a lot of the time there are existing relationships with printers between our clients and our printers, uh, and that's all a done deal. So it's very difficult to actually suggest any innovation um, or any improvement in print quality because it's a you know it's a set contract. Mm-hmm. Um, clients will come to us with that in place already. Um, so yeah, doing food packaging is quite difficult in that sense. It's um, it's a matter of just trying to engage with both sides, I guess. You know, convince clients of the need to change something or do something differently and also engage with the printers and try and convince them that you're not the enemy. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. You're not trying to steal know. anything away. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's a global thing or it's just, you know, um, an Australian thing, but certainly there is this very uh, us and them mentality with printers, I find, which is a real shame because, of oh, course, we're both, work, so we're both on the same side. Mm-hmm. Um but that whole thing of, um, you know, oh, you're coming to the press check, oh, well, we'll, we'll you sit, sit you in this room and we'll just try and keep you as far away from the press because we know what you designers are like. You know, there's that sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. So it's been quite difficult. Yeah, So, but you mainly design um, – so the majority of your design is tangible printed packaging, isn't it? Absolutely. And, in fact, that's what I <clears> – that's what I've enjoyed about – um, doing FMCG all those years mm-hmm. is that it's printed, it's out there that you know it's it's something consumers can um, take in, uh, and your your success is measured by you know how engaged they are with it. So let me ask you this then: when you're walking through the supermarket and you see packaging for a product that you designed up on the shelf, what does that yeah. feel, what does that feel like? <laughs> um, well, I guess when I was younger, that was quite exciting, you know. Uh, I'm kind of used to it now. It's, um, there's there's a fair bit of it out there. That, I know that sounds arrogant. That's all. <laughs> um, no, I know. So it's still it's still a bit of a thrill. It's good. Um, we've got a relatively new client that is doing a huge amount of work, and that's always great. Um, in the uh, snack aisle, uh-huh. uh, they're doing some really great things in the snack aisle, and that's always fun to um, to uh, walk down there and have a look at. Um, you know, how well represented they are. They're doing really well. Um, and, of course, you know, my kids get a thrill out of it. So, it's, yeah, it's nice. That's cool. <laughs> okay, so have you ever had that moment where the person in front of you at checkout has one of the packages that you designed and you give them the old tap on the shoulder saying, hey, I, I designed that? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that would 
that would feel weird to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have done that at parties occasionally. Yeah, so that's what it is. It's the liquid courage that brings it out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There you you go, Peter. I love it. Yeah. Um, So the next couple of questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. Mm. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Oh, well, good question. Um, I've had, um, I guess the easy answer or the, the, the most obvious answer is um, working with other people is the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, me and my business partner back um, 15, whatever, how many years ago it was when we went our separate ways, um, you know, we just sort of grew apart, and it's it's like it's like any other relationship, I guess. Running a studio, working with other people, um, is a is a job in itself. is a is a mm-hmm. challenge. You've got to. There's all sorts of learnings I took out of that first partnership, and that was, um, you've got to be different to each other. I've I found not just through my own experience, but with other people as well, other 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 um, agency owners that I've known. Uh, you've got to respect each other. You've got to find a way to keep respecting each other and you've got to be different people. If you're the, exactly the same kind of person and you're both running a business together, you end up killing each other. Mm-hmm. It is very hard to make it work. So there's got to be a distance between you and you've got to respect each other's abilities. Mm-hmm. Start. Um, that was the real key for me. Uh, since then I had... Um, I had some people that I got involved in my business as shareholders who were senior people. Um, again, I think I failed to learn that message. <laughs> <laughs> there was a kind of a lack of respect. There was this naive assumption from them that, that A, they, they should earn as much money as me, um, B, they should have as much influence in the business as me, um, and that ended with them uh, leaving abruptly and setting up their own business. Uh-huh which just, from what I can tell, just sort of floundered along for a few years. Um, so the important lessons about running a business, I don't think they ever learnt and didn't really understand. Yep. Uh, running a business is a whole other mindset, and it's not a creative one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Because so that's been important to me. Yeah, because as soon as you're running your own business, you go from designer to entrepreneur Absolutely. You have so much more to worry about than will the client like this direction. Yeah. Well, you you end up having to wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I would struggle to define what my skill set is because it goes from everything from HR to, to you know, on the tools creative to print management to… Um, Janitor. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> um you know, you name it. Yeah. It's the whole gamut of running a small business, which any other small business operator would, would know. Gotcha. So in those moments where you brought partners, you brought people into the business, soon after realized that was a mistake, not a good thing to do, and then separated ways. How did you get through all of that process? Did you just take it as a lesson and power through and move on? Yes, basically, yeah. It's... um. 
you know, when someone leaves and takes a few clients, I mean, the, the good the good thing for me in that that second instance I was mentioning is that um, they took clients who had an affinity with them, um, but weren't particularly good clients. So, <laughs> so it was, you know, I was a bit pissed off at the time, but very quickly realised I'm much better off without those people anyway. So mm-hmm. that you know the it's my, my rational side coming to the fore, my non-creative side thinking, well, hang on, the business is better off without those clients as well as well as those staff. So, um, uh, you know, it was quite a positive move in the end. Mm-hmm. So that's when, you know, the thank you cards come out and you wrote the thank you cards and you mailed them off. <laughs> Only in my head. Only in your head. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Peter, I want to dive a little bit deeper now, and I want you to tell me about a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did mm. not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Oh, <laughs> oh dear, Dave, there are so many. Um, <clears throat> there's one, one thing that's happened to me quite recently, in fact, in the last year, uh, which is quite extraordinary. Um, and I think it's a good story in the sense that um, knowing how to deal with clients is a critical part of what we were just talking about. One of, mm-hmm. the, one of the key skills that is a non-creative skill in running a business is your people skills and being able to read clients uh, and being able to respond intelligently to what they're asking without pissing them off, basically. Mm-hmm. So that you know, client-supplier relationship is everything. But you know, where do you draw the line? Um, when it becomes too much. So we had one particular client um, who I really shouldn't mention. No, no, keep names. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Who we produced, six years ago we produced um, a new range of uh, food packaging for them. Yep. (laughs) Choosing my words carefully. Yep. Uh, That really innovated their category. And they, they went with us on this. We named it. Um, we did pretty much the whole thing, got it going, got it out there, um, phenomenal success. Um, within six years, they've ended up dominating that category uh-huh. um, so, so that they've bought the Australian rights to one of their major competitors and they're and now wow. redesigning that. So they, you know, and I'd like to think that we had quite a big role in, in doing that with them because it was the strength of that packaging and they were a small player. So it's not as though there was um, much above the line involved. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but the marketing manager of that business was a very highly strung person and she was very hard to deal with. So we had I had one account manager kicked off the account uh, for daring to suggest she do something she didn't agree with and, you know, they butted heads. Um, I kind of took over the reins eventually because I was the only person that could really deal with this woman. She was um, just nasty, you know, mm-hmm. without, well, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the relationship came to a head because we wrote something about, and, and you know, in our term conditions, terms and conditions, we reserve the right to promote work, um, write about work, you know, and so on. We, we wrote a little bit about um, the packaging that we'd, we'd done for them, put that online, uh, it was it was out online for for the full six years, and mm-hmm. then they realised and weren't happy about it. She called me up and she was furious. She said, "How dare you talk about our category like that?" And I said, "Well, what do you mean? I understand your category." And she said, "Are you 
do not understand. You are not working in our category. And I said, I was working in your category. We work closely together. I understand it. She said, oh, look, you can't, you can't say those things. You can't make those assumptions about our category. And you can't talk about our product like that. It sounds like you own it. Hmm. I said, well, of course, of course it doesn't sound like I own it. Anyway, we had this argument about um, what I'd written, which was really harmless. I even got um, legal opinion on it, and he just laughed. He thought it was quite comical. But this mm -hmm. just grew, grew. They ended up giving us a list. She got uh, one of her staff members to find every instance of this writing and these images of this packaging online and said, take them down off the internet at once. And I said, well, we can, we can try and do a bit of that for you. I still, you know, try, trying to maintain this relationship. Um, she said, no, you've got 48 hours. Take everything down off the internet, please. You know, assuming that um, we could somehow magically just flick a switch and take it down. Mm -hmm. We spent the next two weeks approaching people, asking them if they could remove the text and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it got worse and worse. Um, it was naive and it was weird and extreme. Um, and that's an example, I think, where I just, in the end, I just decided, well, this is where I draw the line. This is insane. Mm -hmm. This isn't even rational. Um, and I'm just not going to do it. And I, I knew that would be the end of our relationship, but, you know, it was it was about to happen anyway. So uh -huh. I simply said, um, in fact, I spoke to her CEO and said, I just can't do this. I can't waste any more of the studio's time reaching, you know, little bloggers and all the other. There, were, there was, must, must have been hundreds of um, examples of it because it was quite good packaging. So uh -huh. people had, you know, grabbed the imagery and so on. Um. So, yes, that was the end of our relationship. Okay, so just to make sure I get this, mm. say six years ago, you do a brilliant job for this brand. This yep. brand exceeds and excels and dominates their category over the next six years with the packaging and creative that you designed. Mm -hmm. And you put together an article when that first launched yep. to promote how great the design is and this is why and this is why it's doing so well. You got it. And out of the blue, they came back six years later and said, take it all down. We just found out you have all of this and you know nothing. Take it down. Yes. So what do you do? What do you do in a situation like that? I tried reasoning with her. Mm -hmm. um, there was nothing I could do. Literally, she was just incensed and thought I was taking this massive liberty and daring to speak about not just their brand but the category. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, all I'd said, I think, was that it was a, a tired and somewhat mistrusted category. Mm -hmm. those, those were the words I was used. And back then, that was entirely appropriate for how that category, this was frozen meals. There, I've said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, in Australia, which was, um, you know, unlike the UK, yeah. um, quite a backward and mistrusted little category. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So, you know, who knows? Maybe we're better off without them because it was really, really hard work. Yeah, that's pretty tough to... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't even know what to say to that one. That's uh, no, that's, uh, that's one of the top stories I've heard there, Peter. So, it's, it's in, a, in 150 episodes, that says something. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm going to turn this bus around for you, Peter, and I want to hear about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing. Ah, well, um, I, I guess the, the project where 
we're most well known for is the um, Connoisseur Ice Cream mm-hmm. project in Australia, which um, which I'm still really proud of. Um, it's it's actually a it's a, a double headed story. If mm-hmm. you'll indulge, yeah, please. <laughs> um, so that that was a brand that was owned by Fonterra, a, com- a company called Fonterra originally. Okay. Um, and there was a wonderful woman, uh, Jenny Gilbert, in charge of it. Um, and she was she was just very open minded. It was one of those lovely, lovely examples of of, of fantastic product, a really, really good quality product in dreadful packaging. Oh, yep, yep, yeah. So um, you know, it went from the the design in the first place, the the design intent, um, and the um, the print production were all woeful. Uh, so it was just a wonderful opportunity to okay, let's start again. You know, from brand down. The brand stands for this, you know. Let's just tweak that a little bit. Let's redo the brand mark, um, and let's just, um, you know, reinsert this brand into the category in a more professional way. Mm-hmm. So it was a lovely opportunity to just start from from ground zero and um, reinvent that brand, which we did really successfully. Um, and it's a testament to minimalism, I think, of simplicity of communication that it, it worked. It worked phenomenally well. That's cool. So <clears throat> when you landed that project, did they approach you for packaging redesign? Is that how that started? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then at that point you addressed not only just redesigning the packaging, but let's refresh the brand and reapproach this category. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's every, every project you do, you should try and take a step back and talk to the, the client about what the brand stands for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really it's really bringing to life what a brand stands for. And that's never been more important than it is now because consumers are so savvy now. You know, you've got to stand for something. Um, that's for sure. Mm. So, so you, that's got to mean something. Got it. Well, Peter, you've reached the part of the show for the Ask It Forward question. That's where I have a question for you from my last guest, and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Very good. Okay. So, with that said, my last guest was Lindsay Stripling. She's an illustrator and artist out of San Francisco. And she wanted to ask, and I think this is going to apply to you really well, because not only are you, you know, quote-unquote a freelancer, but you also are running a studio on a bit of a deeper level. So, um, when do you know that it's your time to just shut it down when your day you get started in your day and you just get that feeling where it's not going to be a productive one. When do you know that it's time to throw in the towel for the day? <laughs> uh, that's excellent. Um, that is a really, really good question. I, to answer that firstly, I guess I, I don't, I just keep going. <laughs> you just keep going regardless. I just keep going um, because I've got, you know, other people involved and I can't just throw it in and go home. Uh-huh. Um, but secondly, I guess, you know, I reach a point where I'm stale, I guess. I get stale um, and, you know, you can you can feel that. You can every, – every creative person can feel this is not a creative day. Yes. Um, so um, – I guess there isn't a particular trigger for me. Um, I guess it's wanting a drink. (laughs) 
it's that, that, you know, mid-afternoon where you think, oh, I might just go and get a drink now. And you think, well, that's not going to help. So <laughs> I could go and get the drink or I just put that out of my mind and crack on, keep going. Definitely. All mm. right. I love it. Um, what is your question for my next guest? How do you balance the creativity in what you do with every other aspect of um, running business? Yep, that'll fit mm. for the next guest. Mm, okay. So how do you balance sort of the joy of doing the creative with the side of running the business and accounting and building up yep. your portfolio and keeping up with the studio website and yep. <laughs> all the other bits and pieces? Yeah. Awesome. Mm. That's great. Peter, <laughs> you have reached the end of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, pleasure, Dave. All right. All right. That is the end of today's episode, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate your time. Well, I'll be back tomorrow. See you then. Bye.